You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys episode number 76 for Monday the 14th of August 2017. My guest today is Joseph Alexander, who's been a guitarist and expert music tutor for over 20 years. His tuition books are published in many foreign languages and have sold hundreds of thousands of copies to widespread critical acclaim. Recently, his books passed the million pound mark in revenue, and he's currently writing a guide to self-publishing for authors, though whether that gets published or not, we'll have to wait and see. When I interviewed Joseph for the podcast, I began by asking him when his musical journey started. I heard, and I never know which was first, but I think I saw a repeat of Live Aid, the original one, um, and it was Queen on stage and watching Brian May and Freddie. It was funny, actually, because um, Freddie played guitar on Crazy Little Thing Called Love on that. And it, it was actually watching him, but obviously Brian May on stage at the, at the same time, that, that just blew me away. So there was that. And then I think I saw a video of, I think it was Hendrix, um, like burning his guitar. <laughs> I was like, right, this is for me. I was probably about nine and I had classical guitar lessons at school and then moved kind of onto electric when I went to high school. And it took it from there, really. I, I always played, went to the Guitar Institute in London, uh, London College of Music, switched over, did a degree in jazz at Leeds College of Music, started teaching and various things happened. But yeah, after a while, I decided to start writing down some of the things that I was teaching. One of the things that really interests me is you're one of these people who's who's almost come out of the blue as a as a self publishing superstar. But one of the things I wanted to ask you is, have you ever had a a day job yet? Have you ever had a normal job yet? Mm, I, I stacked shelves. It was a summer field, and I was about sixteen. And I was playing for my first like proper proper guitar. Um. So no, I, I think I started teaching guitar when I was about 15 at high school, and just obviously very informally um, to like younger people. Um, taught my way through university. Then, long story, very very short. Um, my very good friend owned a, like a DVD store, and we I, I was teaching in the evenings, and he was busy in the evenings renting DVDs. So we just used to hang out and. We ended up opening a bar together in Macclesfield, where I'm actually living again now, bizarrely. Um, so I sold, I, we opened that, we built it ourselves. I sold my half of it to him and I went off traveling around the world uh, with my then fiance. We split up up a mountain in Nepal. I came down that mountain, went to Thailand, became a diving instructor, worked in Thailand for about a year. Decided that wasn't, you know, it's a bit of a beach bum lifestyle, if I'm honest. It was fun, but it wasn't really really going anywhere then i got a job on a cruise ship and i thought that'd be you know sort of suits and i was again scuba diving instructor in insure excursions and that was that was brilliant because beer was a dollar <laughs> and so it was sort of not really away from that beach bum lifestyle um i met my girlfriend there left ships and i've been moving around went ended up living in thailand again been in canada for a bit in england for a bit 
um, Edinburgh and all that time I've ever been teaching guitar or scuba diving or working on cruise ships. So the reason I ask you that question is I'm trying to uh, get to the heart of, are, are you an entrepreneur, do you think, by nature? I, are we friends on Facebook? Like, it's funny, I had a bit of a rant about this the other day. Like, so many like sponsored Facebook posts come up and being an entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur. It's like, you know, if you have to tell people that you're an entrepreneur, you're probably not. So I don't, I don't really think it's for me to decide. Um, it, I, I love teaching music and I love writing most of the time. So um, I've been described as that, sure, but I, I, it's not, it's not a title I'd want to give to myself. You know, ideally, I'd like to be seen as a musician that's um, that that loves teaching. I think that would be if, if, if you know, if that's sort of written on my gravestone, I'd, I'd be quite happy with that. Um, am I an entrepreneur? I, I don't know. Like it's, it's just sort of, it's just kind of happened, you know, it, it's sort of grown organically from when I wrote my first book and, and for whatever reason that started selling and I'm, I'm not sure why it started selling. And, and I think I, I just, I just saw something there and, and that I could share like the knowledge and, and the music, I guess, that I have in my head without like sounding, it sounds a bit pretentious, but you know, being able to teach lots of people through a book. Um, it, it just kind of happened naturally. I, I never sat down to kind of, you know, be this prolific writer. So, um, no, I think I say this in every interview, but, I, you know, I gave more thought to my Halloween costume than my career. <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> Brian May has featured heavily in my life because my brother plays guitar. And, um, you know, again, right. when we were at school, um, I used to run disco, so we used to amp him up so he could do, you know, Brian May guitar riffs at school. And um, cool. uh, and uh, I was very envious to see your Brian May picture on your Facebook feed where you've been... No mm. doubt with your guitar hero. So have you been heavily influenced by Queen? Are you a big fan? Yeah, I am. I am actually. And they were definitely, in, I hate the pun, but instrumental in, in my upbringing. I mean, I, I, was into, I was into sort of big hair rock when I was 16. Yeah, I was like Satriani, Steve Vai, Van Halen, you know, you name it, Michael Schenker, all those guys I was listening to. Um an extreme, you know, those, those sorts of bands. But yeah, meeting Brian May was, was ridiculous. It was completely by chance as well. He, like, like I said, he was the reason I picked up the guitar in the first place, like, you know, getting on for 25 years ago now. And then I'm a, I've, I've done all the stuff, played the guitar and I've written all these books and Amazon have invited me to speak for, you know, the Amazon Academy at London Book Fair. And then I, you know, because I've, you know, been very fortunate to have this success as a writer. And then I kind of just casually bump into the guy that started it all, you know, sort of almost at the pinnacle of of being recognized as an author. It was really weird and serendipitous. But yeah, I guess life sometimes throws those things at you. Like all guitarists, you must have imagined yourself upstage on the stage, you know, doing a Brian May. Did you ever aspire to be <laughs> the guy with the big hair playing the electric guitar on stage, or have you always been happy with the teacher role? Um, I've done it. Like I've, I've done some fairly big gigs. I, was, I played on the cruise ships a bit as well, you know, nothing, nothing massive, massive, but playing to like two or three thousand people, I guess, and um, it's fun i mean it's in in some ways i find that stuff easier than, than doing interviews like this because um i've i feel that people aren't necessarily 
and judging me, there's, there's a guitar between me and them, and it's like a little barrier. So, you know, like we all have bad days and things, especially on stage. I've, I've done some atrocious gigs, but um, yeah, it, it, I find, I find the, yes, I did. I did. I'll be honest. Yeah. I, I would have loved to have done that, but it was, it was, um, it was kind of a compromise for me really. And I don't know if this is just like my upbringing or, or what, but I had friends that were being very, very successful in Manchester and doing, you know, like sort of medium sized club circuits there as bands. And they were having to get in there for about seven o'clock in the evening before the place like really opened and they were headlining. So they weren't necessarily playing until like 11, 12, one o'clock in the morning. And then they kind of, got to pack up or, you know, if, if worse, if they're not headlining, they've got to wait for the other bands to, to finish their set before they can grab their gear and go home. And then they're not getting home until two, three o'clock in the morning. And they were getting paid about 20 quid each for that. And yes, I was asked to be in loads of bands. And it was at the time I was probably, you know, earning hundred, 150 pounds, probably more like in an evening for, um, for teaching. So it was just like, well, yeah, I could do that. But unless this band's like a dead cert or I'm going to be walking into a band that's already really established, then it's, it was very hard at that time, you know, with student loans and whatever to, to, to walk away from it. So yeah, maybe it was sort of a, a financial decision. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was definitely a choice that I had to make. But as I say, like genuinely, I love teaching. I love sharing like my knowledge and, you know, my, my, my chops aren't nearly where I don't know. Like I, I've just spent the last, sweet recording a tuition video and I, I not even particularly difficult stuff and I have to practice a lot for that you know like so I, I've been I've written like 30 books or something now so I've been spending the last four and a half years doing that so while I can play enough to, to write the books and the knowledge and and teach it hopefully clearly that I probably you know if, if you offered me the queen gig tomorrow I'd be like I'd, I'd be in two minds. I mean, I'd love it. I, I would, I would say yes, but like, my God, there's going to be some late nights practicing there, getting back up to speed. Sorry, long answer. <laughs> it's a, it's a sort of a mixed bag with, with that kind of thing. The other thing about that is, do you, is it something that you might return to in the future? You know, a, a sort of a, a stage career because the success you've had as a self-publisher, which we'll be talking about much more shortly, uh, must have given you some freedoms in life. <sighs> Um, no, I've been like working sort of 16 hour days for four years. To, <laughs> that's what people don't understand. And like you said that before, like, first of all, you, you use the word superstar, which I'd, I would contend. I don't think I am, but, um, you know, I, I do, I know I, as far as the radar of, you know, guys like Mark Dawson and, 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 play, and people like that who have been very, um, active in that community. I, I, I think Amazon asked me to do the Amazon Academy. It was probably about September last year. And that was the point where I got introduced to all the, all the people, you know, I was like, Oh, right. So this is going on. It's like a whole community here that I had, I didn't, I was vaguely aware of, I had no interaction with. Um, so yeah, sorry, back on point. Yeah. People sort of say, Oh, you've just popped up. It's like, well, no, I've been grafting for five years now. And, um, sometimes you know, they say that people only see the, the tip of the iceberg. And I think it's true in this case. Um, in terms of, freedom yeah well i i think i think fingers crossed in the past week i found the copy editor proofreader that i need in my life she seemed awesome she's got some really good ideas about the stuff that we're publishing and it, it's kind of 
I hope now I found somebody to to copy edit because at the moment, as well as being an author, I formed a sort of small publishing company. And I'm just getting like manuscript after manuscript coming in now for lots of different orders. We're we're expanding into piano, drums, bass, keyboard, you name it, um, and vocals. So I've just been spending about 20 hours a week proofreading and copy editing other people's stuff. So I hopefully have found somebody to to outsource that to. And now if that goes well, yeah, maybe I'll have some more time. But um, I get bored easily. And it's probably secret to the success. Success really is just get bored easily and find something constructive to fill your time. I don't mean like get on Facebook. I mean like, you know, write another book or think of a new way to, um, to market, I suppose, or, or use what you've already got and, and, and make money from it in, in a different way. I, I was fascinated to find that you've got a lot of um, quite, uh, well, they're about four or five years old now, series of, of guitar tutorial videos on YouTube. So, so this, it was this the beginnings of you, um, you know, sort of teaching in a more an outward way, you know, trying to hit a bigger audience? Um, no, that's, I don't watch those. They're awful. I think they were just recorded on, on a phone and, and stuff. It was um, content from my website when I was teaching um privately a lot so i you know i needed new youtube videos to and like actually funny enough i got a few students through that but yeah it was one of those web op, you know um seo things where like yeah if you've got video content on your site and you know people can find you from youtube so i think i just i set myself a bit of a challenge to record one video every day and try and do it in one take so some of them are a bit sketchy um but yeah i don't know i keep them up there but I, I don't think that's what I'd, <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be known for that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it's, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a particular goal of mine to reach more, more people as a player. I think it was, it was very much uh, trying to get the website to more people so I could take on more students through Skype. Okay. So when did the first book come and, and where did it come from? What made you decide to, to move from that into printed form? Do you want the long story, the short story? Uh, midway. Give us enough details. The midway. All right. I, I, at London College of Music, I had a terrible time and I didn't get what they were trying to teach me. I wasn't, I essentially, I wasn't good enough at that time to be there. And I didn't understand that we did a lot of jazz and I didn't understand like there was a difference between like Miles Davis and say Alan's Halls where I just thought it was all jazz so I had this terrible time where I was like getting all these new influences everyone's like okay you need to look at Miles you need to look at Coltrane you need to look at Charlie Parker you need to look at Alan Holdsworth you need to be you know playing giant steps you need to be playing so well and it was all like in the period of over sort of 12 weeks so every week we were just getting this new stuff and I I didn't I was ignorant and I didn't know that all this stuff was very, very different. And each one was like a lifetime study. And I was trying to do all this stuff. They'd give you a song. You had a week to learn it. Then you got on stage and you played it. And you had to play the tune, the chords, and improvise like a pretty decent jazz solo on it. And I couldn't cope. And it, it essentially, I had a really, really bad time. Dropped out of, well, I left in the end after two years of London College of Music. Took a year off, got my head together, and went to Leeds, which was a completely different, really positive experience where I met a teacher called Giannis Pavladis, uh, and he taught me that baby steps was the way forward. And he just sorted my head out in terms of organizing music or anything into 
essentially he held his hand right up to the ceiling. He says, right, you want to be there, but you're down by the floor. At the moment, you're not good enough. I was like, oh, right, okay. He said, but what you can do, and he sort of puts his fingers about an inch apart, it's like you can take this many steps to get there. You're trying to do everything in one go, but you need to break it down. If you trust me, if you like the way I play, and if you trust me, I'll I'll take you. I'll take you on that journey, and I'll set you off. And because I, ha- he could see that I had a really negative mindset about playing guitar. Um, so I kind of that that really stayed with me, and I, I talk about that in my first book. So then, fast forward a year or two, I'm teaching privately, and I'm seeing students come to me with the same problems that I had when I was in London. And at that time, and then it was like you know YouTube and tuition books and things like that. And I was like, listen, like you're trying to do the stuff that's way beyond you, and I don't mean to be rude or upset you, but you're you've not covered this yet. And from that, and from having continually having these kind of conversations, especially with jazz students, I started started writing this stuff down and so I could give it to them as a handout and that was really the sort of um the the, the basis of the first book sorry again I probably went on a little bit <laughs> long story but it was it was just coming from a place where I wanted to simplify the process of learning music and be able to pass it on so people could benefit from it as quickly as possible so for you then, we're getting into the self-publishing rather than the music now. What what was that process like to create a book? Because um, somebody like me writes fiction and non-fiction. I think, well, hang on, you've got musical notes here. Presumably you've got um, copyright issues with, with music as well. You can't just put a Queen riff in there, I assume. So it, it, it's a completely different environment, um, I, I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I'll sort of actively avoid anything that could be potentially the difficult copyright wise i write a lot of methods you know um i write you know how to play blues rhythm guitar i don't necessarily teach you know how to play a robert johnson tune probably a bad example but you know i don't necessarily teach like a robin ford tune which is you know owned but i'll teach you the the steps by which you would get to the level where you can play it if that makes sense and yeah like i've got a book of sort of rock guitar and it's kind of in the style of and you can not get away with i think i think it's totally valid so this is in the style of queen and you know you look at things that brian may does that make him you know unique and you can use those ideas but you've got to create something new with them otherwise you're you know you're making money off somebody else's work which isn't right and and you, you shouldn't be able to do that. It's, it's not ethical. So um, being very, very careful with with what we choose to put in, um, really, so far, Touchwood has, has got, around, I guess, got us around those issues. And yes, it would be nice to put more songs in, but the, the books aren't really designed like that. They're designed as a, okay, you're here, you want to be up here, how can we get you there incrementally? And then the, the other sort of very practical but basic problem for, for you with the kind of books that you write is you've got to have uh, staves and you've got to have notes and, and you don't just draw it with a biro. You know, has, I don't even know where I'd begin with something <laughs> like that. Where, 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 how did you do that? How, how do you get around that problem? Uh, there's, a, there's some really good music notation software out there. Um, most of the ones I've done, I've used a program called Sibelius. Um, more technically literate people than me use Guitar Pro, um, which I need to switch over. It's much better for guitar. And, you know, Finale, Finale is another one. There's actually professional music, like, typesetting software that you can just write into and it'll play the note. 
So that that's that's fine. That's actually probably not the biggest issue for us. The problem is that you know the market as it is will, will people don't necessarily want to pay more than say five dollars for an ebook. And because Amazon charge for a megabyte download of fifteen cents, and we are contain you know our books contain maybe between one hundred and fifty and two hundred images, I, it's very very difficult for us to make anything off Kindle books at all. So you know, like paperback is is quite an important thing for us. And, and the other thing is, do people? Um, I would have thought they would be better as paperbacks. Do people actually work from them from a, a Kindle? I would think that would be quite hard, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we we do our best to make them, you know, scalable. If you double tap an image, it will go to full screen. Um, it, it's my feeling as a musician, I hate learning from a shiny screen. You know, I'd much prefer to have paper in front of me. So um, I, I think generally that people... Um, people will often buy the paperback. I think we sell about 60%, uh, probably it's, it's about 50-50, I guess, between paperback and Kindle, which I know quite a few other sort of, um, say, fiction authors, novelists are very, very jealous of because um, it's difficult to sell a paperback. And, you know, we, we charge a, a decent amount. They were normally around about $18 for our, like our method books, which is, well, it might seem expensive for you know what you'd pay for you know girl on a train or whatever then we're we're sort of cramming these books full with huge amounts of information and you're certainly not going to get an hour with me private for twenty dollars and you probably wouldn't have done for the last sort of you know 10 15 years so you know when you weigh up what we're offering with the audio downloads with with the amount of content that that we put in i think people are happy to pay pay twenty dollars for a book that's going to last them you know hopefully years and when you are creating the books are you able to go down the standard create space route or do you have to go for something else because of the bespoke nature of what you're doing no no it's kindle and uh, we use create space for paperback we're not shifted over to kindle pick you know the kindle paperback thing yet um and we use um kdp for the kindle books i'm I I've got to the point when in my template for the books now that I can upload a Word document straight to uh, straight to KDP for, and get, get get the paperback like perfect almost first time and then what we do for Create Space is just make um, a high resolution PDF from the Word document. Fantastic. Now let's go back to that first book um, where we started talking about the publishing. When when you well you published it presumably. Um, what what were your expectations of that? And at what point did you see that you might be onto something? Um, no expectations at all. I think is is probably the most healthy mindset to go into any any publishing endeavour with. Actually, um, so yeah, definitely no expectations there. Uh, it, I, I stuck on Kate. KDP, I think, because somebody told me about it, one of my students possibly at the time. So I'd written this thing and somebody had said, oh, that's really, really good. Why don't you submit it to like some publishers? I hadn't really thought of it at all. It was literally just something for my students. And so I sent it to a uh, like the registry of guitar teachers in London and they came back with, this is really cool. We love it. But 
you've got 163 audio examples that are played at two speeds, and it's three DVDs worth of audio. So I, there's just no margin in it for us. We can't make any money on there. So thank you, but no thank you, but well done, we like it. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's disappointment, but never mind, you know. Um, then, yeah, somebody told me about self-publishing, so I went with that and stuck it up. Uh, with te- a terrible cover, like awful, like, you know, I'm, I'm not good at Photoshop at the best of times, but um, I certainly wasn't five years ago. And like truly atrocious cover. And for some reason, I think it sold maybe eight copies or something in the first month. I was like, oh, that's cool, you know, and I don't know what it was making at the time, but uh, I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll do another one, I'll stick that up there. Cause I think in the back of my head, I thought, well, I'm a self employed guitar teacher with no, you know, like no pension i've not really got anything aside for what i've been probably about 28 at the time for well you know this could maybe be a little pension and just tick over maybe stick 50 quid a month or whatever into it and so i ended i wrote another one and that sold a little bit better and then i wrote another and then another and i, was, I think i was writing about one book every six to eight weeks and i i think i, I did have a count up i think i wrote four what was it eight eight books i think in 14 months because, you know, they're only sort of 15,000 words each. And it is the notation that takes the time, to be honest with you. And it just sort of hit this critical mass, I think, um, after about a year. And, and suddenly there was, we, it was, yeah, probably Christmas. It was either that, the first year or the second year. And I was, I was out in Thailand. And, yeah, like the sales were ridiculous. And, and from that point, I thought, right, there's, there's definitely something in here. Um, I can never remember the timeline I'm terrible for this sort of thing but yeah then then you know we, we were hosting the audio on the website we got that upgraded you know we've got a professional company in called Twizzlebird who are amazing and based in Chester uh, and I said to them listen you've just done the website you've chosen all these colours it looks in the fonts it looks brilliant can you put together a template for a, front book, a, a book front and back cover for me that just ties in and because I'm terrible at create space all at uh, photoshop all i want to do is switch out my guitar so if there's a rock book i can put a rock guitar in change the title change the colors on the front and little key points that we have on, on the front cover that yeah yeah sure and i think i charge about 150 pounds for it and it was beautiful so i can i use that for i republished everything or changed the front covers at least on everything and suddenly because i've done that and i had like eight ten books or whatever at the time um, that my branding was suddenly all over Amazon. You search for guitar book and you'd see a book that would be a different colour with a different guitar on, on the front. And it was very clear that it was all all my stuff. And because of that accidental branding, this big sort of, um, you know, sort of makeover that everything had, I think, again, that, that was like another little step. And then we started developing mailing lists and that was a big step in... <laughs> And, you know, it's just been incremental, you know, and uh, I don't know when I sort of first, I couldn't put a date on it, but there was suddenly a point where I was making more money while I was sleeping, you know, with royalties and and passively, I suppose, is a nicer way to put it, than I I was teaching. So, and, and don't forget, I was writing all these books in the mornings and afternoons, and then I was probably teaching for five hours from, you know, four o'clock till nine o'clock. Uh, so yeah, it was it was being pretty intense uh, for a while there. Uh. 
one of the things I'm really interested with with guitar books is, you know, my, my brother's been playing guitar since he was he was eight, and he's he's a lot older than you. And you know, there are so many guitar books out there; they're all over the place. Mm. So why why I'm, why I'm interested in your story? So you know, so why your guitar books? Why, why not somebody else's? What? Why did yours? And why have they broken through in what is effectively a pretty crowded marketplace? Um, I don't know. Um, my feeling, hopefully, is that they're written in a more of an inclusive way. I remember getting a book, and I won't name it because it is a great book. Um, I was a little bit naive, I think, at the time I got it. I was about 16, and it was a book about arpeggios, and it was about maybe 26 pages, 32 pages long. And I had to order it from America, and it was about £30, and I didn't know it was going to be this short book. Um, I was really, really disappointed. So I think that sort of stayed with me. So, like, my books are about 100, 106 pages. They're all, you know, 8 by 11. They've got 150, 200 examples in. They come with the audio. But I... So... On, I try to give as much value as I can, uh, which I think counts for a lot. On top of that, I, I think the way I break things down, you know, like I, if I get compliments, I think that's one of them. It's like you break this down really, really easily, step by step, and sometimes probably too small. You know, it's a difficult line between patronising your your students and and in a book. You know, when you can't sort of, you don't know how good they are, what what level they're at when they're starting this book so i always feel breaking it down smaller is is better than leaving any kind of question marks over it so things are very very incremental and i generally i think what is different about what i do is that i write as i said before like method books it's not sort of okay here's your song it's like let's improve you step by step by step by step by step throughout the whole book and i go into massive detail i don't like have a guitar book you know that covers everything i don't write just one book about playing the guitar i've written uh for example just with blues i've not written a blues guitar book i've written a blues rhythm guitar book you know playing chords and things i've written a blues phrasing book i've written a book on how to go beyond the sort of normal scales um that people use in the blues i've written a finger style blues guitar book you know get sort of delta stuff you know or like thumb you know that like robert johnson kind of thing and big bill brunzi and, and those kind of guys um so like what i think if i do anything differently is i get really really deep into one particular subject and just go to town on it you know i don't try and sort of play pay lip service to everything in one like massive book it's that i try and teach as much as I can on, on one small area. So I think that's why I've managed to, um, why I've managed to A, write so many books, but also B, kind of be sort of accessible to people. And so there's, there's that kind of stuff, you know, and I, um, you know, when I, when, if I do get a compliment, it's normally, yeah, you broke that down really, really simply for me, which is, which is nice. And then the other side, I think, it, it, some of it is probably a case of right, you know, right place, right, right time. I certainly can't take all the credit for it, but I don't think when I started there were many guitar books on Kindle, you know. So certainly the the big publishers um, hadn't got their stuff onto um, onto Kindle yet, and certainly not in a format that was really usable. I think they were just even now probably shouldn't say 
say this given my ideas, but <laughs> they're still scanning their books and, and doing, you know, fixed fixed format Kindle stuff. Whereas I was right when I kind of figured it out, I'm still figuring it out, but, but it was a case of, you know, figuring out that I needed to be on Kindle. It's I was ranking on Amazon really well for Kindle and people were finding my books through Kindle, but actually probably about 50, 50% of the time they were making a decision to buy a, a paperback book. And, you know, the, the Kindle stuff actually, yeah, while it's difficult to make money off it because of the size of our books and, and all the audio, uh, it, it, it's good marketing and certainly getting paid to, to advertise, I think. Then what about this concept of, of your author voice? I mean, I think you've alluded to it a bit there, that people, that's what people, what resonates with people when they buy your guitar books, the way, the way that you speak and the way that you teach. Um, this author voice for you is, is pretty important then. Did that take a long time to come? I had, because you taught so much, had you already found your author voice, do you think? Yeah, it comes up a lot with, um, with the people that I'm publishing because I, I publish new authors and and we basically do a 50-50 royalty split on the profits. And um, they said, well, how do you write? You know, how have you done this? How do you write 100 pages on that? I said, well, I just imagine that the student that wants to learn this stuff is sitting in front of me. You know, and I, I don't make them a beginner, like a complete beginner, because, you know, otherwise you sort of write, hold your guitar like this, this finger goes here. And you don't want that because you, you, you'd fill a whole book before you even got to the first useful example so you have to assume that your student is you know uh, can play a little bit do do the basics but they're they're trying to point their their learning in a particular direction you know this guy wants to learn blues chords this guy wants to learn jazz soloing this guy wants to learn like heavy metal so you, you imagine that student in front of you and then you go i go yeah you know I've, I've taught thousands and thousands of lessons in my lifetime you know hundreds if not thousands of students and i just write down what i'm i would tell them and a, a very like you know sometimes in life you just luck out and my brother is a proofreader he lives in tokyo and he proofreads scientific papers for tokyo university and in fact he's proofread two nobel prize for physics papers <laughs> that won the nobel prize <laughs> like you know like good contacts and i don't use him anymore because he's um he's very very busy with family and, and jobs and you know sort of japanese culture work work environment but my first book so i was like listen can you just can you have a look through this and he said yes and and so he you know picked up all typos and all the terrible english that i was using and and things and i, I learned through he, he would do it and he, he didn't want to correct things he liked to do it on paper so he would i'd send him the book he'd print it out um, and then with Skype, him from Japan, and I mean, you know, I think it's in Edinburgh or Thailand or wherever I was living at the time, and we'd go through every point one by one. So it wasn't like I'd send it to a copy editor to come back and it would be done, you know, with commit changes. It would be like, right, you're going to learn this. And I don't, that wasn't intentional by his part anyway. Uh, so through that, I kind of learned to sort of copy edit and, and well, edit myself while I was writing and um, you know, I, I'll obviously I'll always get somebody else to, to proofread my stuff now, but um, but where it's very easy for me to now to look at an author's work and, and get right to the depth, copy editor, rip it apart, put it back together. 
Um, I think I've gone off point. What was, your, what was the original question? It was about the author's voice, wasn't it? Author's voice, it was yeah. just sitting down and sitting down and imagining that the person that you're talking to is sitting in front of me uh, with a guitar. They want to learn. How am I going to get them from? I hate this phrase, but zero to hero in, in that in that subject. You know, and it, it might be something that I would do with them over, you know, ten to fifty lessons or whatever. So uh, yeah, like that. You just got to. Imagine them there, sitting in front of you, like eager to learn. When you started to share a stage through Amazon and elsewhere with um, indie authors, other indie authors who presumably were predominantly writing uh, fiction, how much of the the author struggle did you um, identify with, if, if at all? What sort of contrasts were you finding between how you did things and what the way other people were doing things? God, I'm going to sound like a real asshole I, I just I, I wasn't aware of it you know like there, there's a thing and I think you know maybe I'm just in an easier niche I think that could be part of it because we, people who have got the particular sort of skill set that I have in terms of being a guitarist and you know can string a sentence together and put, put a book together there's probably less of those people than are trying to make it as as a fiction, you know, a fictional novelist. So uh, I, I don't think I certainly, I leapt out again because I, I don't think I had that competition, uh, there, as I said, you know, like I really only found about, out about the indie author community. It was probably August, September last year when I got invited to London by Amazon. And actually, I think Amazon, I, I, they probably do know what's selling. I'm sure they do. But like, now I've got sort of contacts at, contacts at Amazon because I was, I think I was just pissed off about something that Amazon was doing. So I emailed CreateSpace. I said, listen, I'm making you this much money every year. And I know that's not very much money to you, but like this, this is really making a difference to to my living, essentially. You know, and this wasn't like really you know, what, what we're doing now. And... They were like, oh, well, it's amazing. And then um, Stephen from CreateSpace, Stephen Dorman, got in touch with me. He said, well, you know, like, we, I, I think I asked for an account manager. <laughs> just like that cheeky. <laughs> oh, and he said, well, we can't. Do, yeah, well, it's just, you know, it would have been just good to have somebody. CreateSpace are great and to, to deal with, you know, whenever I phone them up and I speak to the guys in South Africa, they're always absolutely fantastic and they've really helped me out a lot. Um, with the attack stuff and <laughs> beyond other things and HMRC have been sort of getting involved but anyway that's that's a whole different story um, so they were like yeah okay this is Stephen and Stephen phoned me and I was visiting my girlfriend was working in Kuwait and we arranged a phone call and I was sitting in Kuwait um, and he just he just helped me out and, and from that then he invited me down to actually I ended up doing a presentation at the Amazon facility like the their printing facility in Milton Keynes and then presenting to like the, the board of Amazon like create space Kindle in the UK um, about what I did and how it was sort of going well I've got the tour of the facility and everything and I think from that point on like the relationship's been really really good um, it doesn't really answer the question of, of the, the community and was I aware I, I honestly don't think I was yeah, yeah I mean not not beyond the fact that getting discovered as any kind of artist is difficult you know so no I, I sometimes now i sort of see the questions that are coming up um on facebook i'm sort of biting my tongue a little bit you know especially on some of the, the groups there you know people are asking no don't get this will sound a bit, not i don't want to be arrogant or, or 
look down on people here, but it's like some of the stuff that gets asked can be is a simple Google search, you know? Um, so, and there's such a huge resource of, of things like Ally and Mark and Reedsy and all these communities of people um, that I think it is just, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because there's more people doing it, so it's going to be more competitive. But at the same time, like, if I'd actually had access to the knowledge base that I when I went this knowledge base when I first started, then I think it would have been a lot easier, you know. And how about marketing? Because, um, well, I mean, this is why I was probing your uh, early work experiences uh, and wanted to find out what sort of entrepreneurial background you'd had because you'd built a business and, and effectively sold it in the past. So, you know, you, you, you had business experience. It wasn't you to you. You've done, <laughs> you've done your own taxes and things like that, which is a shock yeah, for think, people think, who haven't. I think you're overstating that a little bit. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, well, my friend got bored, so we put the bar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you so, know, if you've been employed uh, all your life, if, you, if you've been on a salary all your life, that, yeah. there, there is a big difference. If you've been on a salary all your life, you haven't done that. You, and, and, and what I was alluding to with the entrepreneur mm. reference is that you've made your own money, and, and that is entrepreneurial, yeah. whereas other people go and get a salary, and that's yeah. a very different um, situation. So I think you are entrepreneurial yeah. because you seem to have made your own money all your life. Well, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that's it as a musician, though. You know, I think the fact that, you know, I, I finished college and it's just like, oh, shit, like, what now? Yeah, yeah, you know, doing gigs and things like that, but that's, you know, that's not going to pay for stuff forever. And um, and I really did enjoyed teaching. It's funny, though, like, I remember at, at jazz college, like, guys coming out, it's like, right, yeah, no, I'm going to make my, all my money by being a jazz trumpeter, right? And that's all I'm going to do, and I'm not going to teach, and uh, teaching's beneath me and I'm just going to do jazz trumpet gigs. And like, there's, there's no, there's like three people in the world that make money, like make a living doing that. So at the time I was like, well, okay, fair enough. But I really enjoy teaching. So I'm quite happy to do that. Um, so I suppose if entrepreneurial stuff may be more out of necessity as a musician, uh, um, I don't like working for people. Like even when I was working on cruise ships, which was, you know, not a normal job by any means any means um that yeah i enjoyed it i got to see some cool stuff and get paid to go on tour and dive in some really cool locations and things that i i always found it difficult that it it didn't matter how hard that i i worked it i was never going to get paid anymore you know it was or if if you could not that i did but you know people there that did the bare minimum to not get fired. So that, that was sort of frustrating in a way. So I just figured, well, you know, if I want, if I work harder then surely it should be me that, that gets the, you know, the, the reward for that, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I mean, all that stuff helps. And I think again, like writing that first book or you know, maybe the third book, when I saw these things were being successful, I was like, okay, yeah, well maybe, maybe it's just another small stream of income as a musician. You know, like that was the thing. It's sort of you don't put all your eggs in one basket, do you? So, okay, well, I've got streaming income from here. I've got royalties off that album. I've got this. You know, what, whatever it happens to be. Um, and you know, teaching fortune for me was something that I enjoyed, and it's a big part of it. And yeah, like yeah, I had to do my taxes every year, and um, you know, deal professionally with people. But it was it was always 
working for myself, I suppose, yeah. And you've alluded already to things like the dreaded email marketing and we've got the social media stuff as well. And, you you know, you like yes. everybody had to, had to eventually pick that up because, you know, however much we hate it, unfortunately, we need to do it. Uh, how are you with that mm. kind of stuff? Does it come naturally to you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very good at that stuff, actually. I hate Facebook and I hate Twitter and, um, you know, have you interviewed Dean Sutherland, there's a guy that Mark's been talking about a lot recently. Yes. I got I got his I got his book and I've been doing his stuff on Twitter and I've gone from like a thousand followers with not doing anything to I think just hit three thousand today or probably hit it tomorrow or something like that. And that's that's taken about three weeks, I think, four weeks. And me being me, I've now outsourced all our stuff, so I've got somebody doing Ian's stuff for me. And that that's cool. Um and that, that's sort of happening. Facebook, we've got a page because you have to. But really, I think um, if if anyone is listening, like you've got to build your mailing list. And for me, that sort of I missed out on about the first year of mailing mail mailing list building, if we can if we can say that. But now I've got just coming up to thirty, just over thirty two thousand people on the mailing list now. They're all guitarists. Excuse me, they're all people who who bought books from me, probably 99%, 99.9% have. And when we release a new book, we we just tell people that's it. We've got some kind of cheeky little ways of doing it. So it people buy the book in a way that Amazon's algorithms like. Uh, but... And we've, we use a huge amount of email automation as well. You know, if you if you buy a blues book, you'll get put into this blues automation and you'll get blues lessons every week with a little, you know, an email tax on after a couple of days. So do you like that? You'll probably like this book. And um, because we we only market blues books to people who are interested in blues, you know, the the um, what's the word? The conversion on that stuff's pretty good. And, you know, but we're not going to send jazz books to death metal guys you know so we're we're very organized in in the in how people sign up to the to the um to the mailing list we know which book they've bought at least initially we know what what genre that's in and once they've had that they'll go into an automation that can be actually about 26 to 20 maybe 30 weeks we're adding more stuff at the moment but 30 weeks long so um, so am I, am I just blabbing on about something that's completely irrelevant? No, 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 no I want to ask uh, you, though, are you using a CRM for that? Because you, you're doing something that's more complex than, than MailChimp naturally lends itself to. So are you stuck in MailChimp or, or using something like a proper CRM for that? No, I, we used MailChimp up until about 18,000 subscribers. Then I got a marketing company in New Zealand who were very, very good um, they were expensive, but they were good. And they said, well, listen, we can do good things here, but you're going to need – MailChimp isn't powerful enough for what you need. Like, so I I um, flipped over to ActiveCampaign uh, at that point, and ActiveCampaign is amazing for – automation and looking at what you know what people are interested in and things like that so the, the, you know there's, there's constant tweaking but um that's that's what we use really so you're tagging you're funneling you're doing all these more advanced email marketing strategies now to take people deeper into your which is probably quite a complex business now i'm guessing 
Um, no, uh, it's still fairly straightforward. You know, I think so. The way it works is that if you've bought a book on Amazon, certainly on a Kindle book or, or Create Space Two, that we're not supplying a DVD or a CD with that, but you, you want to hear what the exercises sound like. So we've got a page in, in every book, get the audio. So they go to the website, they go to the audio download page, then, and um, they choose their book, essentially. Um, if, if anybody wants to see this in action, it's fundamental-changes.com. My dog was just shaking. Uh, fundamental-changes.com. Um, downloads in the top right. So and then it'll tell you what, ask you what's your instrument, and then it will ask you um, which book did you buy. So, so we now know not only which book you've bought, and you'll get tagged with that, but you'll also get tagged with the genre as well. Like, I think we've got about five or six, so like blues, beginners, theory, um, jazz, rock, etc. So once you do that, you get a welcome series, this little talking head video with me, which I hate doing, but, you know, it was like, hi, thank you. Like, and a very, very genuine thank you. Like somebody's trusted me enough to buy, buy my book from me, and I want to say thank you. So there's that and they go through a little welcome series where we take them to the website we show them like the most the, the most popular free video lessons that we've got in the style of music that they're they're interested in and then once they're through with that they get put into one of these long automations I was talking about before and they just get fresh content every every week with a with a little thing to buy so no I mean it's not massively complicated it's just you know they download the audio tell us what book they've got they get a welcome from me and then they go into an automation and you know just it it's it's funny like it sounds very cold but you know you put a lot of thought into each email that goes out and, you, and, and there's a lot of love that goes into the lessons on the website so it is fresh it is friendly and it hopefully 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 it doesn't come across as sort of this big corporate entity which we are well we're not but you know i think email automation can can be quite cold but in terms of like massive crm like watching what people are doing on facebook and how they interact beyond that email we don't really do it you know just it, it gets too intrusive you know we just want to show you want to teach people how to play guitar um i guess you know there's probably a few percent to be made somewhere but i just you know it's, i've got i've got better things to do <laughs> and uh so yeah don't don't really do that it's it's yeah it's it's but that side the most important thing you can do in my belief as an author is to um is to build your mailing list nevertheless you are scaling a business in that you've got outsourcers now you've got mm. a marketing team in in new zealand um and so yeah. you've, you've gone from this chap who you know on his own produces these books or virtually on his own you're managing a team now which is quite a different proposition how, how mm. are you getting on with that how how do you find it well, the marketing marketing team in New Zealand were great, but that sort of lasted, I think, about six months. And like I say, they were expensive. So they set up all the email automation, taught us how to use it. It's not just me anymore. We've got, um, well, I've got Amanda, who's my partner, um, and we've been together sort of seven years. She's the girl I met on cruise ships, and she's in charge of basically all all or um, marketing stuff because I, I genuinely don't enjoy it. Like I'm quite good at it and I have a good idea. It's like, well, if we, what if we do that? And like, oh yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, let's do that. It's like, okay, cool. Make that happen. She's like, oh, right. Yeah. Forgot about that. So, um, so it, in terms of that with, 
um, anything that's on the marketing side, if it's getting images made, if it's, you know, if it's getting stuff onto Twitter and, and dealing with, with most freelancers, then Amanda will be doing that stuff, which takes a huge amount of pressure off me. And of course, you know, she's on salary. We've got a limited company, all that sort of thing. So there's definitely tax advantages to doing that. Um, and um, Amanda's a strength and conditioning coach, as I said. She's in Kuwait working out there training, you know, Olympic level athletes. And she's come by, back from, she's like, I just don't want to do sport anymore. So, right, brilliant job for you. So um, that's what she does. In terms of myself, um, I, I, not, I'm not run out of ideas for guitar books. I've got a few that I want to do, but there's some stuff I'm just not very good at. I'm not very good at heavy metal. Well, certainly, you know, like shred metal. It was never my thing. And, um, uh, and country and I've got my head around country bizarrely. <laughs> um, but, um, so I figured, well, I'd like to have a book on this, but I can't write it. I wouldn't have any integrity if I was teaching this stuff. And that's very, very important to me. So I asked people that I knew, so listen, do you want to write a book on this? I don't want to give you an advance. You know, I don't know if it's going to sell. I'm kind of risk averse in that sense. But um, how about we split the profits 50-50? And there were a few people like, that's really cool. Yeah, let's do that. And that started it, started us off on, on publishing other people. So I've recently been spending my time talking to the authors, helping them through it, right? Helping like, you know, co-writing the books essentially. So where I'm involved in dealing with freelancers, I tend to be working with people who are producing content and, and helping them produce great content. So that, that's kind of how we split it really. And of course, you know, I've got a virtual assistant who answers pretty much all email for me because otherwise it's, it does become a nightmare. And if somebody asks me a personal question on, you know, how do I do this on guitar or can you recommend a book or, you know, something that's guitar hands on, I'll, I'll get involved in those emails. I've been proofreading. I think I've been doing about 20 hours a week, like copy editing and proofreading for the last, I know I was on holiday in Japan. I was, I was working out there. Um, but now, like I think I said at the top of the interview, I think I found the, the copy editor that might make everything change. So, finally it could be a chance for me to sort of back off a little bit maybe write a few more books i've been doing this video series as well you know this is going to be i think about four hours um of of me talking to a camera teaching one of my books in in, uh, in video format uh so i just get getting back to being creative with it i suppose rather than i've had my business head on for about the last 18 months while we've been expanding but actually you know I want to have a guitar in my hands I want to be writing and I want to I want to be doing a little bit less of the admin type thing you know so um hopefully that that's on the horizon I'm quite hopeful of that because it's been it's been a lot of a lot of hours for a long time and, and yes I as far as I can see reading around you're, you're going to become the next Mark Dawson are you, are you doing some self-publishing tuition for authors as well yeah, it's a bit meta, isn't it? I've just written a self-published book, self-publishing book for self-published authors, or something. Um, so I, I don't know. It's it's not something I really want, I particularly want to be known for. And I do enjoy doing these interviews and just like with guitar. I help. I, I like helping you know self-published authors because you know if I can write a few words on Facebook to help somebody, then then that's really cool. You know, it help it 
they'll get to where they want to be a bit faster, hopefully. But yeah, it sort of was pointed out to me that there is definitely scope for um, scope for a, 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 another book because you know I, I think in about two weeks I'm going to pass the million pound mark in royalties. So I kind of put this book together called self-published millionaire and i don't know if i like the title again I, you know it's not something i really feel massively comfortable talking about but it's actually sitting on my desk in front of me at the moment and it's, it's sort of in the copy editing stage at the moment actually it's been like that since um london book fair actually so whenever that was april um but yeah it's just have, have more more pressing things to attend to i, I certainly don't in, don't um intends to become the next Mark Dawson because, you know, what he does is brilliant and he does it fantastically and he looks a lot better in a suit than I do. So it's it's just a... It's, yeah, it's finding that balance. I don't know if this book will even get published, to be honest with you, the, the self-published one, but um, I was thinking about doing something, but, you know, I don't think I could really offer anything more or maybe more insightful than Mark. Mark does with the caravan that maybe I'm probably better suited to for nonfiction authors, you know, and um, maybe there's a market there for it. But you know, I'm I'm sort of happy doing what I'm doing. Really, I get to have a good time on my hands and um, travel and work and and things. So yeah, it's you know, like, there's no desperate hurry to do that kind of thing. Well, I want to congratulate you on your amazing success. It feels to me like your, you know, your life has led to this, in that all these wonderful experiences have come together in this fantastic project. What kind of a business do you want to build for yourself? Because quite clearly, travel and mobility is very important. You don't want to get bogged down with an office, I'm assuming. No, actually, funny enough, I actually, um, speaking to you on my new MacBook Pro, which I, I bought, literally arrived today, um, and that's very much so I can be overseas, I can be recording, I can be, you know, editing video or whatever it happens to, to be, um, and not have to sort of worry about, like, firepower sort of thing in the computer. So, yeah, it, it, that that mobile, being mobile thing is very important to me. I'm a writer, I'm a guitarist, I'm very, very lucky that, you know... Um, I can be anywhere. And like I said, I was just in, in Japan for three weeks seeing my brother and traveling around there. We're going to France for a month at the end of the week. We're driving down to the south of France and just going to live there for a month. And my friend's got a place out in the Azores. We were there for a few weeks in February, probably be there in September. So just this, we've got the dogs as well, um, who are pretty much the center of my universe, I'll be honest. So, um, yeah, you know, anything that we can do sort of fairly easily with the dogs, um, is is cool. You know, Europe's right on the doorstep. So yeah, I, I, that uh, it's you talk about business ambitions. Like the, the company's doing very very well. You know, it's sort of making in excess of like a thousand pounds a day now. So if if there's a if there's a goal, it's to make that. You know, it doesn't even have to be that much. Obviously it's a lot of money um it, it's to make sure that i'm confident that that's going to continue and i think that's what all the work's been about it's like you know it's great you know you sort of you, you get that spike and you, and you make some money when you, you release a new book but actually the idea of 
the company earning money passively while I'm, I mean, Amanda doing whatever it is that we want to do. And, that, and just the freedom of that, that, that would be the goal. So I think it's um, sustainability, if, if I had to put it in a word. Um, and hopefully it will be. I think, you know, like it's not Fifty Shades of Grey writing. I don't know what the tale on a on a book is, but you know, my one of my best selling books is probably the second book I wrote. So it, it seems like, you know, fingers crossed. I don't want to jinx it, but it seems like the books are a little bit timeless. I hope you know that the, the information's the information. It's it's not going to change. It's not going anywhere. So yeah, just just finding a way to keep it sustainable, and probably you know reduce it from sixteen hours a day to four hours a day. That made me that made me pretty happy as well. So yeah, that that's it. Thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends, or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.